Well, good morning once again, and welcome to our new sermon series called Rebuilding with God. Uh, and I've been very excited about this series because it's very relevant to Holy Trinity. Because as this summer, as we begin a building project of uh, building up our second story for our school and child care, uh, we turn to a book of the Bible that also features a building project. And that leads us to Nehemiah. And a couple months ago, um, I taught a class period to uh, my 7th and 8th grade catechism class on the book of Nehemiah. And before I started, I asked them, so, what do you guys know about Nehemiah? And the answers I got back were, uh, it's a human and uh, a man. And that's it. That's it. That's about all they knew is that he was a, he was a human and he was a man. And I have a feeling that if I asked all of you in this room today, so, tell me what you know about Nehemiah. You might answer, he's a human, sounds like the name of a guy, and that's about it. So, if you're a guest or visitor with us and you think you're the only person that doesn't know what Nehemiah is, um, I think you're in good company that uh, many Christians uh, don't know much about this book as well. And it's because it's, it's just one of the books in the Old Testament that we don't often cover that much. So, I'm excited to talk about it. Um, may make me sound like an expert a little bit if I talk about something that you guys haven't heard of a lot. Uh, but it's, it's a good book because at the simplest level, it features a man named Nehemiah who is going to be in charge of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. We're going to learn some leadership lessons from him about how he handles this project. Um, but also, he's a spiritual rebuilder as well. And we're going to see how he helps Israel restore their relationship with the Lord. So... As we then begin our building project, and we see the scaffolding set up, as we hear the heavy machinery, as we have to park across the street and we bring dirt and mud into our campus, the story of Nehemiah comes alive for us as we have all these object lessons reminding us of the story of Nehemiah. With that said, let's jump right into it with verse 1. In the month of Kislev, that's November, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. Have you ever had a preacher tell you, um, before you understand that passage, you need to look at the overall context and history of the Old Testament? And then they go on for five to ten minutes, listing off names of kings you've never heard of and places you've never visited. Um, So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Three points of history. It's going to be really short, so if you're not a history person, three points. That's all I'm giving you. First off, Jews like Jerusalem. It's uh, well, the most important city to them. It's kind of like their capital city. And to this day, it still has great spiritual significance. It's where God decided to have his temple built. They got kicked out of Jerusalem for 70 years. There was a time period in Israel's history where they weren't allowed to live in Jerusalem. There are other nations that were in control. We call that the exile. If you remember back to about six months ago, we studied the book of Daniel. And Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't in control of the government. Um, That's because they were living in that time period during this exile. Uh, And finally, they got to go back, but it wasn't the same. So eventually they had this exile period, but then they got to go back to Jerusalem but it never quite lived back up to the glory days. And that's where Nehemiah comes in during this time period where they start to move back to Jerusalem. Sound good? Three points of history? You still with me? Good. Let's let's look back at this passage then. So we have Nehemiah, 
and his brothers, and they come and he talks to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in Persia, they're from Jerusalem. They go talk to Nehemiah, and I question them about the Jewish remnant and about Jerusalem. And that makes sense. Nehemiah is not living with them, so he asks them, Hey, how are things going back home? What's going on in Jerusalem? And I think we can relate to that. So many of us weren't born in the Twin Cities, but yet we live here right now. And you call back home and you say, How are things going back home? That's what's going on here. And Hanani, one of his brothers, said, Those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. So not a good report that he gets back from his family, huh? Because Nehemiah knew that there were troubles there. They knew they weren't back to the glory days. Then he gets this message, that the walls of the city are broken down and burned with fire. Now the walls back then uh, were kind of a status symbol. They were very important. So if you can imagine a city without walls, um, they would be susceptible to any other attacks out there from any other armies. If you don't have walls, uh, they could just walk right in and take over your city. But also, like I said, it's kind of like a status symbol. Since it was a, a way to protect the city, the cities would make their walls like big and grand and beautiful so that when you saw that city and you saw their big walls and their big gates and how elaborately they were made, people could look at that city and go, wow, look at that city. They have some nice walls. And now they look at Jerusalem, who used to have great walls, who used to have a beautiful temple there, and now they don't even have walls at all. And they are in great trouble and disgrace. Uh, a couple months ago, maybe you heard the news stories about all the floods that happened in Nebraska and the Midwest. Heartbreaking stories. I heard a story about a farmer who had over 3,000 hogs, and within the matter of hours, the floodwaters came in, and he barely got his family out there, and all of his hogs died. And to this day, there are so many farmers that have been having to file bankruptcy because of these floods, so many people that don't know what to do, so many cities that don't have fresh water, and so many people that have to move somewhere else because of this natural disaster. It's a heartbreaking story to hear. But now I want you to imagine that that's your family. That your family had a farm in Nebraska, and that's your aunts and uncles, your cousins, your brothers, sisters, your mom and dad. That's their farm. That's your farm that got destroyed. Imagine the heartbreak. Imagine the pain of what it would be like to be miles away from that. And you want to help them. And you call them up and you say, hey, how are things going? And you get the answer. It's even worse than you can imagine. It's even worse than the news stories tell you. Can you feel the heartbreak? Can you feel that ache? Imagine how Nehemiah must have felt when he was told, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. He's miles away. His family, their health, their safety is on the line. And he wants to do something about it. And his heart breaks. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When Nehemiah heard this news that the walls were broken down, he got down on his knees and he wept. And he fasted for several days, and then he said a prayer, asking God for help and strength. And that leads to uh, me asking you this question here. What's broken that breaks your heart? What's broken in this world that causes your heart to ache? 
What's injustice, what act of racism, what violent act out there causes your heart to break? What are you passionate about? What thing out there is so terrible that you would love to see fixed? What's broken that breaks your heart? Maybe for some of you, it's homelessness. We live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and every morning you get in your nice car and you drive to your nice job, and you see somebody begging on the side of the road. You see the tents in downtown Minneapolis. And that breaks your heart, that we are people with so much money and we still have this problem of homelessness in the very city that we live in. Maybe it's persecution. Maybe your heart broke over Easter weekend as we heard the story about over 200 Christians that were killed in Sri Lanka just for worshiping their God. Maybe that leads you to pray for them. Maybe that leads you to night and day pray for all those out there who are just in danger because they believe in Jesus and they want to worship him. Or maybe it's some children. Maybe for a select few of you, uh, you have been looking into adoptions and foster care for several years because you know of all the children out there that don't have homes, all the children out there that don't come from good family life. Or maybe there's a child in your classroom or at your work or somewhere where you know, and you know that they don't have a good home life. So you do everything you can to try and change that. What's broken that breaks your heart? There are so many different things for us to be passionate about. There are so many different things that break our heart out in the world. But what breaks your heart? What would you like to see fixed? What would you like to see God change in this life? What's broken that breaks your heart? I think there's a good question for us to ask ourselves individually, you know, have our own personal missions and what we'd like to change. But I also think it's helpful if we ask that as a group of believers here at Holy Trinity, at what breaks Holy Trinity's heart? What breaks our hearts as a congregation? Because we understand that we have so many of us together, and as, as many Christians together, we can do great things together. So to kind of look at what breaks our heart, I think we need to look again at our mission statement of Holy Trinity. Here's our mission statement. To make a big building that is super comfortable and entertaining for believers. Okay, so I tricked you. That's not actually our mission statement. Don't, don't get worried. Uh, but the reason why I put that up there is because I think it's a temptation that so many churches fall into. Sure, we are going on a remarkable journey of being able to uh, continue our building project to open more classrooms for our school and child care. But whenever a church goes through a building project, I think it's easy for them to become inward-focused about how you want to make everything nice and beautiful for us, right? That's a temptation we face. That's a temptation that so many churches face where we become so inward-focused and you just try and turn this church into a club that's very comfortable and entertaining for the people here. But that's not our mission statement. This is our mission statement. To share Jesus with all ages and nations. Our goal is to share Jesus the best we can with all people. All in ages, from babies to the oldest person around. That's our goal, to share the gospel with them. To share it with all nations. To do whatever we can, whatever... Whatever we decide for building projects now and in the future, let's have it be motivated by what breaks our heart. And have that be our mission statement, that whatever we do, we do it not to make our lives more comfortable and entertaining, but we do it to share Jesus with all people. 
And that leads to our first point today. Um, I know you all have pens, and in the, on page 15 of your bulletin, I have some sermon notes out there with some fill-in-the-blanks. I encourage you to fill it out because, you know, as you write things down, you remember them better. Um, so that's the first point to our today that we have for our fill-in-the-blanks, that our sinful hearts break for the wrong reasons. Because everyone's heart breaks over something, and our sinful hearts, the sin that lives inside of us, um, our sinful hearts often break for the wrong reasons. Uh, when I think back to the last couple of weeks, the last month of my life, uh, about the things that really broke my heart, um, it would be crazy things like uh, a poor Wi-Fi signal, um, high insurance deductibles, uh, when the Milwaukee Bucks lost a playoff game, um, having to park across the street and have an extra minute walk to church in the morning. You know, big things like that. Big things like that that break my heart. And maybe there's, maybe there's nothing wrong with getting frustrated about a poor Wi-Fi signal or having to park across the street. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that. But I can tell you it is wrong when you get more fired up about a Wi-Fi signal than about the real issues and spiritual issues in this world. When you care so much about traffic and you don't care about homelessness, then we have a problem. When we get so fired up about sports or game and you don't care about the spiritual problems in this world, that's when we have a problem. And that's what we need to talk about because our, our sinful hearts cause all sorts of problems in our lives. It leads us to be passionate about the wrong things. It leads us to care so much more about little things that in the big picture don't even matter than about the big spiritual things that God is trying to work through us to fix and change. Because if I asked Holy Trinity, I wasn't here, but if I asked you guys over ten years ago, what is broken in this world that breaks your heart? You would have said, all the people in our community, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, that don't know Jesus yet. And just over ten years ago, that led your, that broken heart led you to decide to open up a school and a child care not to make our own lives better, but so that it gives us an opportunity to our community to get more people in our building so that we can share Jesus with them. That's what leads us to change. That's what leads us to fix things, is having that broken heart for the right reasons. But the fact that we have hearts that get so broken over little things, it shows how easy it is for our priorities to mess up, how easy it is for our hearts not to line up with God's word. And it shows that sinfulness that is inside each one of us. And since we've taken on this building project, since we've been doing whatever we can to, to go through with it, uh, we need to follow Nehemiah's advice. And before Nehemiah did anything else, after his broken heart, it led him to pray. And the rest of this chapter, we see this long paragraph, this long prayer from Nehemiah, and I'm going to read some selected verses to you from. He begins his prayer by saying, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. So he begins the prayer by uh, addressing the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. And then he jumps right into a confession of sins. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, have done. Which is kind of interesting because we start off this book and you're like, well, Nehemiah, you, you sound like a good guy. Why, well, what do you have to confess your sins about? Uh, but we understand that he, he's showing the solidarity between him and the Jewish nation about how he feels that he's right there with them. And it's important to remember that the reason why the walls were broken 
was it's not because of some natural disaster or some act of chance. The reason why the walls are broken is because God's people fell away from God. They got taken over by other nations because they left God and his word and they turned to other idols and other nations. And that led God to punishing them by letting other nations come in and destroy the walls. So whenever they saw those broken walls, it was a reminder of the sin that was in their hearts. And Nehemiah starts off his prayer by confessing his sins for him and his people. Just like how we start off our worship services, we start off by addressing God and then confessing that each person in this room is a sinner and that we need to confess our sins to God. And now Nehemiah goes on by saying, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So Nehemiah talks to God and he says, Remember Moses? Remember the promises that you made to Moses? And he says, Well, keep your promises. You told Moses that if we are unfaithful, we will be scattered. And we have been scattered. For the last 70 years, we've been scattered. But now we're asking you to keep your promise. Bring us back together. We've been scattered, but now we're asking that you gather us back together, that we can be your people, people dedicated to serving you and hearing your word. And he finally ends his prayer by saying, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And we understand now that Nehemiah is in an influential situation. Um, the line, the very last line of this chapter said he was a cupbearer to the king. And we're going to talk more about that next week and about the conversation that Nehemiah has with the king. But we see here how he prays to God before anything else. He has a broken heart. He has a broken heart that the walls in Jerusalem are broken. And that leads him to get on his knees and pray to God of heaven because we know that he is the only one who can truly fix anything. And that leads to point number two. Broken hearts come before change. Broken hearts come before change. And that makes sense. Because if you don't care about something, that doesn't really lead you to fix anything. Right? Let me give you an example. Let's say um, your little cousin wants to play Monopoly with you. And you don't care about Monopolies, but you're like, whatever, it's my little cousin, I'll play with him. And he beats you. Do you care? No, I'm just playing Monopoly with my little cousin. Not a big deal. I don't like Monopoly. But let's say you're like some type of crazy nerd that's like really into Monopoly and like every weekend you're like finding a Monopoly tournament and you're studying the rules and you're studying the strategies and you just want to become the best Monopoly player ever. And then you play with your little cousin and he beats you. Different story, huh? You might be a little angry if you, if that's your life, if that's so much what you care about, uh, you're going to be upset if he beats you then. And the same is true with the church. If we as Holy Trinity don't care about the lost people in our city, we don't care about the unbelievers that live in the neighborhoods around us, how good do you think we're going to do at evangelism? If it's something that's not on our radar, if it's something that we don't care about, do you think it's just going to happen? Do you think we're just going to be really good at it even though we don't care about it? Probably not, right? But that's why we're talking about having broken hearts for the right reasons. Having a broken heart that breaks for the fact that so many people in our communities around us don't know about Jesus. 
And since we have those broken hearts, since we have that heart for evangelism and sharing God's word with those people, that's going to lead us to do some crazy things. That's going to lead us to do things like gather together lots and lots of money to make a building project so that we can invite even more people to our church and school and child care. That's what we need to be passionate about because passion often leads to change. If we don't have that passion, we're not going to change anything. But with those broken hearts, with God working in us, let's see what God can accomplish through us. Let's see him work out in our lives. Let's see him, as we ask for help to share Jesus Christ with all ages and nations, let's see him work that out in our lives as a church. And that leads me to ask you, what breaks Jesus' heart? Because I've said several times now that our hearts should break for the same thing that breaks God's heart, that we should be righteously angry. So when we look at the life of Jesus, what do we notice that breaks his heart? Well, when I read from the Gospel lesson, we saw a story about Jesus flipping over money, changing tables, and getting out a whip and physically whipping people and being angry and upset. It's not usually the way we picture Jesus, do we? But we see that he had a broken heart. He had a broken heart that in the house of God, in the worship services, people were turning that into a business instead of a worship service. And that broke Jesus' heart. And there's another chapter in the Bible that it's called the woe to section, where there's this big long sermon from Jesus where he's calling out the Pharisees. He says, woe to you Pharisees, and he even calls them names like snakes and whitewashed walls. And he's upset. And why is he upset? Because there are people, like the Pharisees, that were leading other people away from Jesus and right to hell. And that made Jesus upset. And another time before Jesus went to be crucified, uh, he wept over Jerusalem. He was upset and sad and wept because uh, there are people that even though Jesus was right in front of them, right in front of them, they still didn't believe. There are people that saw Jesus hang on the cross and they didn't believe that he was their savior from their sins. And that made Jesus weep. And maybe the most famous of all is one of that short, the shortest verse of the Bible that said, Jesus wept. And do you remember why Jesus wept? Well, it was because he went to the funeral of his friend, Lazarus. And so many of us have gone to funerals and have lost people that we love, and our hearts break at those funerals. And isn't it amazing that Jesus' heart breaks there as well? Because death, the punishment for sin, was even too much for Jesus. He saw something that was broken. He saw you and me who were leading to death. And... He came to this world to fix it. He raised Lazarus up from the dead, but he needed to fix the big problem as well. And he did that by dying on the cross. And you know what held Jesus to that cross? Sure, it was iron. Sure, it was nails. But it was Jesus' broken heart. It was his heart for you and me. And as he forgave the sins of the whole world, that meant that he fixed the problem. Jesus' heart led to change. It led to giving a change in our status before God. We are no longer sinners in God's eyes. We are now perfect and holy in his sight because of what Jesus did for us. That led to change. That led to a change in our hearts. Before our hearts, when we were, before we knew Jesus, our hearts were hostile to God. We were dead in sin. But since we know what Jesus did for us, that leads us to have broken hearts. That leads us to, for us to care about the same thing that God wants us to care about. And that's our final point for today. Our third point is a prayer. Let our hearts break 
for what breaks God's heart. That's the prayer that I want us to pray as Holy Trinity. Because as a church, we have so much freedom and so many different options to do so many different things. We have opinions in this room about what direction to go forward in the future of this church. But my prayer is, whatever we decide to do, let it be something that breaks God's heart. Let our hearts break for the same things that God's heart is broken about. Because we've decided to go forward with another building project so that we can uh, reach our community even better. Let's have our hearts break about those who are lost in our city. Let's do what we can to change that. Let's have Jesus work through us, work through our broken hearts that lead us to change and grow as a church so that we can continue to fulfill our mission of sharing Jesus with all ages and nations. There are so many different things that we can care about, so many different passions, desires, but let our hearts break over the same things that break God's heart. And as we do that, we, we are Jesus' church. We are Jesus' church that with new hearts, with hearts that are broken for what breaks his heart, and that will lead us to share Jesus with all nations and all nations. So let's do that right now. Let's take a moment and pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you know the broken hearts that are in this room. Individually, we have things that we care about, things in our lives that we wish we can fix and change. And as a church, we have broken hearts as well, things that break our hearts in our community. I ask that you lead us. I ask that you lead us to be passionate about the things that you want us to be passionate about. You gave us that example of Jesus who was passionate for the right things. And I ask that you fill all of us with that same passion for the right things. Send your Holy Spirit that we may grow and do the best that we can to share Jesus with all ages and nations. We do this all in your name. Amen.